Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You know, when I first met Carol, some of you saw I'm sitting next to my sweet wife over here. But when I met Carol for the very first time, what really drew me, what was so attractive about her was truly her sweet spirit. She was very humble. She was very vibrant. But also she was committed to connecting with other people that felt like they were disconnected. And I guess I was one of those kind of people when we first met. And she was so filled with love and she wanted to add value to our life. It was very soon, very, very soon after that, that I found out what were the reasons behind that. And really it was, I'm sure, not that I was so much in need, and I definitely was, but it was more because she had a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. She loved the Lord, and she loved that which the Lord would love, and the Lord loves all of us, and especially those who would be the disenfranchised, and especially those of us who had a very, very special need. Well, a few years after that, I knew that the Lord wanted us to be life partners in ministry and in life. And so we married and we began our new relationship together with one another. And those of us now that have passed from the world of being a bachelor to the world of being married, we knew very quickly that you can't do the things you used to do because in your new relationship, you aren't the same person you used to be. So back then I was single and then I became married which wasn't a bad thing at all. Moving into married life for me meant that I took on certain responsibilities. We had a wonderful life together as we still do today. But it's because of that relationship and I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, some of you might be at that juncture in your life when you're looking at your life and you're saying, I'm on this side of it and there's a lot of emptiness and I, I need a new relationship. I need a new beginning. Well, let me tell you that your new beginning is going to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm willing to take your life and I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to regenerate it. I'm going to give you a great future. You know, the Apostle Paul in Scripture was very clear on that as well. Here's how the Lord said it. He said, I want this, this world, you and me, to have a better relationship with me. And I want to communicate that to you. So I'm going to put a guy in prison by the name of Paul 2,000 years ago. And then I'm going to give him a message that I want him to write to a church that's just down the road from him. And then he says, I want that to preserve in writing for you and me to have today. And so what he did is he taught us how that we can have that new relationship by relationship with Christ. So we learned a lot more about whose we are rather than merely what we do. And one of the things we learned is when we place our faith in the Lord, it's Christ who comes in us, the hope of glory. And so now the life of Christ takes over. And as we yield to that life, our relationships can begin to change. Now to help that, he gives us a way to be able to do that. And so partnering with the Lord, partnering with His Word, partnering with the Holy Spirit, allowing that to happen, new relationships begin. And so we started that whole new relationship by giving us the right kind of marriage. And that teaches us that it means to be unselfish toward one another. And then how to have a new relationship in a family. That means to be caring towards one another. And then we learn how to have a new relationship in the world of work, which means to be loyal to our fellow workers. Well, now we're in a section where he's talking about how to have a right relationship or a meaningful relationship with him, and that's through prayer. 
Let me go back to the time I first trusted Christ as Savior. Something was going on before I stepped over the line and placed my faith in Him. There was a work that God was doing inside of me. I cannot explain it. I can tell you this, that I was becoming awfully dissatisfied with my life, with the world, and certainly with the future. I had a great fear of the future. And deep within me was, where was I going to go when I die? So my world, even though it was a young world, was still very, very much in confusion. And so right then I began to ask God. I said, God, I want to know, how can I know you? Why am I here? Where am I going to go? I need to have meaning in my life. And for whatever reason, I knew in some measure it was wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And God's sovereignty then brought me to a meeting where I heard the simple message that going to heaven and having my sins forgiven was found in Jesus Christ. So that night I trusted Christ as my Savior. There was an absolute, truly for me, an absolute immediate hunger for God's Word. I knew that the Bible was a supernatural book. Didn't know why. Couldn't necessarily prove it to be that way, but I knew that it happened to be God's mind on paper. So as I read the word, there was a uniqueness, there was a connectivity between the word, me, and God. So the more I knew about God was based upon the more I knew about his book. Now, the more I knew about his book, it caused me then to want to live differently with my family. And then I began to live differently, and in my case, it was school and then some of my part-time jobs. Then I started to think about what God would have for me in the future. Now, all of that, believe it or not, happened very rapidly in my life. It wasn't one of those I got saved and years later I dedicated my life. It's I trusted Christ as my Savior. I had this new life. I was like a kid in a candy shop, and I didn't know which candy to eat first. And so I began then, very early on, to say, Lord, would you begin to teach me what I could know out of God's Word? And now, I don't know where you are now. Some of you might be a brand new believer in Christ, and I pray that your first talk will be with the Lord, and that you'll be drawn closer to Him. And today, we're going to give you some very practical ways from His Word in that same passage on how to do that. Some of you might now know Christ as your Savior, but you're sensing that your relationship with Him is not as good as it can be. And so I would like to share with you just from this passage on how you can begin to kind of step it up a little bit in having that appropriate relationship with him through prayer. So let's look at it here. Having a new relationship with God means being devoted to prayer. Now, if I was to look at prayer in this passage, there would be two key words that we're going to look at. One key word is the word alertness. We'll talk about that in a moment. The second key word is the word thankfulness or gratefulness. So we're going to look at the words alertness and thankfulness. Here's a question for you. Have you been praying too much? I don't think so. And I don't think it's so much how much we pray or how long we pray as much as we understand what prayer really is. So listen to this explanation of prayer. I think it might help all of us. Prayer is not so much asking God, hoping that we'll receive something from him. Although when we ask God, we often can receive from him if we're in the right relationship. But I really believe the understanding of prayer is much deeper than that. Prayer is getting to know the Lord, drawing closer to Him by communicating with Him. Now, often we stop there, and that's a good thing to do. We talk to the Lord, we worship Him, we love Him. But as I go through the prayers of Scripture, often the prayers of Scripture are that it's building a relationship with Him through communicating with Him, but often about others. And you're going to see in Scripture that often when we pray, we're to pray. And Paul talks about how he prayed. And when he prayed to the Lord, building his relationship, deepening that relationship, it often was about other people. Now, in this context, which I thought was so unique, since it's talking about new believers, boys and girls, moms and dads, fellow workers, military personnel, those that were raising their kids at home, he still said to them, have a new family, you have a new world of work, but you also have a new relationship with me through prayer. 
And there's, this is not going to be a study on all there is to know about prayer. But today's bite-sized piece will be enough to get you going in the area of prayer that will help you from this passage. So let's look at what this passage has to teach us about prayer. What kind of prayer will impact the world? Now, in the context that we're studying today, it is talking to the Lord. It is getting other people to pray, but it is praying about other people. So if you want to build a relationship with the Lord, it's about praying for others. Now, how do we pray? First of all, it's praying in a persistent manner. It's praying in a persist persistent manner. Now, the word continue, and it says continue earnestly in prayer. I like that phrase, continue earnestly. It does mean to be consistent. It does mean to be persevering. It does mean to be unwavering. But it's a prayer that you are seeking his face constantly. Now, let's take you back to when prayers probably began early in the church. Here's the scene. You have the Lord, he dies on the cross, he's buried, he rises again from the dead, he does a few more bits of teaching, it's recorded in scripture, and then Jesus leaves planet earth. He promises that he's going to send himself back again in the person of the Holy Spirit and thus launch a new ministry. Now that being the case, here's what happens. He now leaves and he does all of that. What happens to those new believers who, for a while, they believe that Jesus is the Lord, that he was the one who died, he rose again. Many of them trusted Christ as their Savior. What happened to them? They were kind of in this uh, no man's limbo land, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. So they went to a location and they were waiting. Now here's the key. When they were waiting, there was a sense that they were away from the Lord. In other words, he's gone. There was a distance from the Lord. And I like to look at that like you and me. There could be a time there was a distance from the Lord. So what did they do? I hope we do what they did. They gathered together as a corporate body and they devoted themselves, they continually, earnestly prayed to the Lord. Now that same phrase that was used with those group of people praying to the Lord is the same word that's used here. So just as those new believers were saying, the Lord's not here, but we want to connect to him, we want to get to know him, and they prayed, devoted themselves to prayer, that's how we should pray. Now that happened in Acts chapter 1. Now, not just one chapter later, Acts chapter 2, here's what's so cool. The Holy Spirit now comes and the new church is beginning. What do you think was one of the first things that new church did? Before that, they weren't a church. Now they're a church. What did they do? The very first thing they did is that they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to an emotional connectivity with God in a very spiritual way. And so I look at ourselves here. If we want to get greater connected to the Lord, the best thing that we can do is to gather maybe together corporately like a wonderful group does here on Wednesday nights or maybe just privately, but that's that persistent time of talking to the Lord in prayer. You know how important that is. A whole new church, a whole new movement was born. First they prayed, the church started, they devoted themselves to pray, and then Paul reminds all of us that that should be a part of our case, that we too would be persistent in prayer. Look what scripture tells us. I put it in your outline there for you. Consistent prayer means that we are developing an attitude of prayer. So it's more than just talking to God. It's an attitude of His presence. Secondly, it's walking in the spirit of prayer. That means wherever we go, we know that He is there. And so when we have a moment's notice, we can begin communicating with Him. It means to take a mental break from work or school or other activities and spend a moment in prayer. And I hope that some of you might do that throughout your day, especially when you're seeking wisdom or courage or a change of attitude. And number four, praying always when your mind when our minds are not upon some duty. And there may be a time for us to do that. That may be a stretch for some, but it is that attitude of being persistent in a communication with Him. How about getting up early and praying before our day begins? How many of you do that? 
How many of you take time that you carve out, that you get up early enough so that you could be alone with the Lord? Some of you are going through the Bible, you're using your devotionals, but do you really sit down and focus on the Lord and really persistently pray so faithfully that it's an every morning event for you? And then it says that we pray before we go to sleep at night. How important that is. Many years ago, I went to a Promise Keepers event. They had it was called a clergy conference. One of the least dynamic speakers at that event was a man by the name that uh, many of you know. He's the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, he, uh, his name eludes me now, um, Bill Bright. Now, he wasn't a real dynamic speaker, but what he did for that 40-minute session was he just said this. He said, if you want to radiate as a person and as a couple, he says, do this in his own little minimal way. He says, every day, you and your mate get together and have a season of prayer together. Not just your quiet time, not when you're getting in a jam at work. It's when you and your mate get together and you carve out a time on a daily basis and you do it not out of duty, but you do it out of desire to bring two hearts together with Christ at the center of it, and you pray. He said, you commit yourself to do that for one month. At the end of his message, he had a time of prayer. Now, here I am, a pastor, a seasoned pastor for many years, and Carol and I have, a, I think, a relatively good relationship. But we pray, but it's kind of like those obligatory, we pray at a meal, we might pray when there's a situation, we kind of pray, but we really didn't have a carved out period of time where both of us are grabbing a hold of each other and the Lord and bringing this together. Literally in that stadium, I was on my knees with all the gum stuck on the, on the ground and all these broken chairs, and I cried to God and I said, Lord, I need to do this with my wife. And it seems like since that time that I've committed myself, not to just an act of prayer, but a spirit of praying with my wife, that there was a connectivity with her and a connectivity with God that it's so supernatural, I cannot fully describe it to you. I can only tell you that it has changed our life, it has changed our marriage when we came together in that time of persistent prayer. And I have to say persistent, because for some people it's very easy to pray. You're highly relational, you're highly maybe motivation, motivated in the mystical realm. So for you to pray, it's a real quick thing. For others of us who are more task-oriented, goal-oriented individuals, want to get things done, and we work on our relationships, some of us, we have to persist even to pray to have that relationship. But all oh, the sweet experience of us having that time together with the Lord and how important that is. And I want to just petition all of you that you use today's message to change your thinking and to change your life in the area of prayer and to crank it up a knot, pump up the volume, and work on that area, persistent prayer, individually, by all means, and hopefully and prayerfully, as a couple, if you're married, or even single and you're dating someone, put Christ at the center of that. And then if you're a family, to have that persistent time, and it takes persistence, you've got to make it happen. And how do you do that? It's when the love of Christ fills your heart, you want to do that. Here, let's look at the second part in the passage. It's more than just being persistent. It also means that we need to be alert when we pray. Here it says, be vigilant in it, which would be prayer. Now, the word vigilant means to be alert or to be active and concentrating. Now, true, that same Greek word is a word that, used, that means to stay awake when you pray. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are times that, and I will tell you, every, nearly every night when Carol and I go to sleep, our, our, our evening routine, because people say, you guys get up so early. We get up at 4, we try to be at the church at 5. How do you do that? What time do you go to bed? Well, we usually head up to our bed about 9 o'clock. We then um, <clears throat> we read, shut the lights out, and then I begin to pray. 
And I will tell you, there have been times that in the middle of my prayer, Carol is much more alert at praying than I am. And she has done one of these, <coughs> remember, <coughs> alert, alert, alert. And so that little alert time reminds me that I need to be more alert in prayer. But now in the morning, though, the opposite is true. Let's pray, Carol. She says, yes, our heavenly, <coughs> you know, and then I'm the one ready to go. So maybe we have an owl and an eagle that are married to each other. One likes to be up late. The other likes to get up early. But the point is to be alert when you pray. There is a time of focus that, you know, when you were having a relationship with someone, how would you like in the middle of a communication with them, they fell asleep in your conversation? Here's the worst one for you. How many of you have had a very good conversation? You're on the cell phone with someone else on a cell phone and you're on a very important topic and you're just going down country. You're just a talk, 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 giving that information. You got your mind going. You're really focused. And it was three minutes later, your feet, you realized you were disconnected. And you never found out about it. Now you realize, where did we end this conversation? Oh, you got to call them back again. And then while you're calling them, they're calling you. And then you're leaving a voice message on top of the voice message they're leaving for you. Has that ever happened to you before? Would you raise your hand? That's happened to me. Look at all the hands that are here. Do you know that with the Lord, he is always in tune. His, his cell phone essentially is always on. And here we are in this middle of an alerted relationship we want to have with him. We're kind of drifting in this. And we wouldn't want to do that. How many of you on the island remember about six weeks ago there were two pilots from one of the airlines called Go Airline and they were just supposed to fly from Honolulu to the little tiny town of Hilo. In 15 minutes they passed Hilo because both pilots were asleep in the cockpit of that plane. This is a true story. How many remember reading that? Now how would you like to have been in that plane? I don't think so. And here these guys were. They fell asleep. They really fell asleep. Now, I'm not here to indict those guys. I know they fly a lot. They get tired. How many of you fall asleep at the wheel at your own uh, ministry or job or whatever? But I will tell you, you don't fall asleep when you're flying an airplane and you're 15 minutes past the airport. You want them to be alert. Well, just as much as we want our pilots to be alert, we want our doctors to be alert, we'd like our lovers to be alert to us, I want you to know that God says to us, I want you to be alert in a relationship with me. You want to build that relationship. You now have a new relationship with me. You need to communicate with me. And you need to be alert when you do it. Focused attention when we pray with him. And oh, how much that means to him. But also in the spirit of being persistent, as well as being alert, he wants us to have this attitude of gratitude. So prayer is also being thankful. I like the phrase that says, be vigilant in it. Then it says, with thanksgiving. I know most of you know how important it is to be thankful, but I'd like to add another concept to the aspect of being thankful. When I ask myself, when am I least thankful? I'm least thankful when I'm not focusing on what others have done for me. If I don't think about what others have done for me, then why would I be thankful to them? Or I'm least thankful when I think I've accomplished or I'm doing what I need to do by myself and I really didn't need other people. I, I did this, so who do I be thankful for? You know, I, I did all of this. So all of a sudden, we are least thankful when it's more about us and less about Him. The more times we're thankful, the more we realize how dependent we are upon God. Now let's put a spin on this. Today, we're going to be saying aloha to Ryan and a few of our other uh, summer interns that work for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Most of us today will say thank you to them, especially you parents. You'll be sure to say thank you to, to Ryan and all of that, which is an appropriate thing to do. But a higher level of that is to say, Lord, I want to thank you because you graced us by giving us Ryan. You gave a man of God who came to this island. 
He trusted you to bring him here. He spent time with our kids. I want to thank you for all the good that my kids have gained from Ryan. Now, we'll say thank you to Ryan because he responded to God's leadership in his life. But ultimately, though, every good gift that we have, everything that's been done for us is all coming from one source, which is the Lord. So whether you have a job, be grateful for that. God orchestrated that for you. Whatever we have in this life, it's coming from an attitude of gratitude. Now, interesting, in this whole book, this book of Colossians, five times the Apostle Paul speaks about being grateful. And each time he does it, he shows gratefulness for five areas regarding the Lord in the life of the Colossians and what they mean to him. Just listen to these very quickly. Christ's followers are to be grateful for their salvation. He's thankful for their salvation as well as his own. He's also thankful for spiritual growth. So you can be thankful for the spiritual growth of your mate, of your own personal growth, the growth of your kid's spirituality. He was grateful for their closeness with Christ and the church. And maybe you could be grateful for your closeness to the Lord and closeness to your fellowship, your faith family here. It's a gratefulness for relationships with him and with others. The next time it was his gratefulness for the opportunity to serve others in Christ. That's unusual. Lord, I'm thankful that you've gifted me and given me an open door where I can minister to other people. He's thankful for that as we should be thankful for that. And then lastly, he's also thankful here because of God's promise to be able to answer prayers when he has a need in his life to be able to reach others with the clear gospel message. So it's an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. And maybe what you might want to do after this message is this afternoon, maybe you by yourself or maybe you with your mate, you begin to write down all the wonderful things that you've been experiencing. And then as you do that, you want to say thank you for that. Now watch, take it up a notch. After you've done all the wonderful things that God has done, the next page, do this. Make a list of all the challenges that you have in your life right now. The problem with the car, the problem with finances, the problem with fitness, the problem with enemies in your life, whatever issues that you might have that are struggles in your world. Or you write that down. Then what you do is you say, Lord, I want to thank you for that negative thing in my life because I'm going to use that negative to draw me closer to you. That means I need to be more persistent in prayer. I need to be more alert to you as you lead me through your word to be able to address those crises in my life. And I go to you now and I want to thank you for them because here it is. It is good for me that I've been afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. So even this is nothing more than a stepping stone to another victory. These problems are not stumbling blocks to another defeat. So we can be grateful for all of these. Now that builds our relationship as we serve him. So we're to do it persistently, we're to do it with alertness, and we're to do it with, a, with gratefulness. But there's one more, and this is the one that I believe he's leading us into even in the next week's message. And that is the prayer for other people. It's a little longer section. Look at it, if you will, as I read it to you. It's prayer for others. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us. So he's encouraging the Colossian people to pray for other people. So it could be for you and me. We're to pray for others. Then he says that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. So I'm looking for an open door so I could talk about Christ. And he says, for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, before I go and open up that, look at that phrase which says, which I'm also in chains. He says, I'm grateful for that, but I'm also praying that even in my chains, I can make this known. Now, how can I make sense out of that for you and me? Whatever world you're in right now, some of you might say that my chain won't be that I'm in prison, but for you, your chain might be I'm in a location or a job or a situation or a relationship that I don't necessarily have the freedom to speak for Christ. I don't have the mobility to be able to get out and to do the things I'd really like to do. 
So what he's saying here is, he's saying that even in my chains, I'm being thankful for that, but even in my chains, Lord, open up a door that I can still speak the clear gospel message. So what you can do is not say, Lord, remove the chain so I then could speak. What you can say is, Lord, within my chain, open up the door so I can speak even with my chain, whatever type of conflict that you might have in your life. I learned this at a seminar a long time ago and it's opened up new worlds for me and it's this phrase. A resistant spirit destroys a creative spirit. If I resist something, I don't then have the necessary creativity then to make my way through it. But if I now reduce my resistant spirit and I now say, all right, Lord, even in this midst of challenges that I have, I don't deny it, not in a state of denial, I really believe it, but now, Lord, help me to be able to rise above this thing. It is absolutely amazing how God will give you the ability through your personality. He'll open up supernatural doors for you to be able to accomplish His will in your life. And that's the joy of this passage. Well, now, since he is talking about praying for others, how does he really want us to do that? Well, let's look at it here. These are four areas about praying for others. Now, two of these four areas are going to be found in this passage. There are another two areas that are not found in this passage. What I chose to do is I chose to do a study on prayer and look at all the passages that dealt with prayer in the arena of evangelism. So watch. Prayer is building a relationship with Him, communicating with Him. We already learned that. We learned that often our prayers are to be about other people. We can pray about those who know Christ, those who don't know Christ. In this context now, He's talking about, here's how you pray for those who don't know the Lord. So as I build a relationship, my new relationship with him, as while I'm learning about him, I'm learning that God has a heart that wants to reach other people. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.